It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village? Because raising your child is really, really tough. What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast on the hard days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. Hey friends, I want to take a minute to thank you so very much for listening week after week to the On the Hard Days podcast. Despite still being a new show, we've gotten over 35,000 downloads and counting at the time I'm recording this. That means that over 35,000 times you have pressed play on one of my episodes because it's resonating with you, bringing you value, and more. Guys, that's crazy. What a gift, and I'm so thankful. Recently, I decided I wanted to connect with you, my listeners, in more ways than just the weekly episode, and I came up with a list of options to give you more support and validation from the podcast. Here are just a few. On-air shout-outs, weekly bonus episodes, monthly printable PDFs, including checklists, organizers, affirmations, and more, a monthly Zoom hangout with me, and more. Oh, and my favorite? the chance for you to submit a picture of your family to use as my podcast cover art. If you'd like to join the On The Hard Days family and receive some or all of these goodies, please go to patreon.com forward slash On The Hard Days and sponsor the show in whatever way you feel most comfortable with. You can also head to patreon.com and search for me by name. Thank you so much for your unwavering support of this show and the brave moms who join me week after week. Good morning, Allison. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here with me today uh, on the On the Hard Days podcast. I'm pumped to have you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. We're both a little sleepy this morning, but it's all yeah. good. Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so you must be here because you have a story to tell mm-hmm. around raising a neurodivergent child. And it doesn't have to be some massive um, n- news breaking story, like you've got something that other moms can relate to. And I would love to hear about that. So please feel free to introduce yourself and and your family. Oh, thanks. Um, I like that framing so much. Um, Well, yeah, I am. I'm Allison Kenny. My wife and I have been together 20 years this June. And after 13 years together, we end maybe eight years trying um to get pregnant we moved ahead with the adoption route and brought home our six-year-old child um so went from longing to be parents for many many years to like full speed ahead diving in with a neurodivergent six-year-old and um and now she's 13. so we've had quite a journey together and um as a queer multiracial um adoptive family i would say the main thing we have because of all of those identities are some 
really out of the box thinking and some creativity about how to get through. And so our resilience as a family really comes from knowing, well, a lot of the typical rules don't apply. They never did apply. A lot of the systems aren't set up for us. They never were. In fact, we're thriving despite them. And so that just means it's been like all rules out the window from the very beginning and just really like what's going to work today? What's going to work right now? What do I need to feel okay in this moment? And also to just surround ourselves with community that gets it as much as possible, which is why I was drawn to your work. Yeah. This gift of a story to tell that people can relate to is so so valuable so i i know from connecting to other moms of neurodivergent kids that um i'm not alone in the kind of challenges that we face <laughs> and in the no. adoption community too wow. i'm a coach who works with adoptive parents um who who mostly have neurodivergent kids and so mm -hmm. my coaching journey has been a way for me to make meaning and make sense of my journey and our journey and hopefully be of service to as many families as I can as well. Wow. You have, um, despite it being a Sunday morning, you have love and light pouring off of you. <laughs> and I guess my question is, especially when the journey first began and you did go from not being parents and then all of a sudden, boom, I think you said six years old. Um, how on earth, and you hear my wilds behind me, how on earth did you navigate that sudden shift? Mm -hmm. And that's my first question. And then after that, when did you realize that your child was neurodivergent? What were some of those early signs that you mm -hmm. saw um, that led you to wondering, hmm, you know, what, what path are we on here? Well, I would say the hit the ground running feeling in an adoption scenario like ours, where we went through foster care, there are all of these lead up moments, there's trainings, there's all of these rituals sort of built into that pathway. And so that kind of, how do I want to say it? It's almost like that gave me the false illusion of being prepared, right? There was like, we've checked all these boxes, we're two years into preparation. And I think looking back, what happened is, um, I, I had been a parent on paper for many, many, many years. And so it made me feel like I have a set of qualifications and I worked with, I'd worked as a youth development professional for many years. Um, I'd worked with neurodivergent kids in classrooms as an aide. And so there's a way I just thought I was sitting on a skill set that would really help me. And so the shock was, oh, um, none of that really matters. And I think I handled it by like many of us falling into the tried and true kind of survival wiring that I grew up with. And so I went into a lot of perfectionism and hustle at that time. I like let go of some career goals. I was just like all in for my kiddo and trying to catch up in a sense. Um, so there's strategies that like I would not use now in the same way, but I am really proud of how I, I just wanted to create a secure and loving home for our kid. And I was willing to do whatever it took to get there. And unfortunately, my own health at that time suffered mental health, physical health, spiritual health. Um, so I know differently now, but it was like, um, there was just so much buildup that was unhelpful in a lot of ways because um, of how I received it. Um, for other folks, I think maybe that that was a really helpful path, but for me, it it was hard. And then the 
some of the things we noticed right away was that because I had experiences in classrooms for a decade at least, I had a million strategies that worked with lots and lots and lots of kids in lots of different environments. And so the first thing I could tell is, oh, these, this kind of humor, this kind of playing through transitions, this kind of using song and music and um, storytelling um, isn't received the same when I'm mom first of all, when it's a child with some attachment issues too, um, I'm not in the same role now. So that's a thing. I figured that out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Got, got it. And then there was also um, things that would happen, um, you know, and I've read you write about this. There was just so much screaming. And I identify as a highly sensitive person, as an empath, as an artist, that screaming like I'll, there's a day I can picture, we were living in the um, San Francisco Bay Area at the time, and we were on a beach with a friend and their toddler, and our kiddo and the toddler friend were a, a little bit ahead and they were able to play together, and I was sitting with parents, and everyone, it was just a sweet kind of summery day, and everyone was relaxed, and I started crying. And my good friend I was with is a therapist and he looked at me and said, what's going on? And I said, I think this is the first time it's been quiet in months. And my nervous system relaxed, like the chattering had stopped. Like it was the first time I remember being able to say out loud, she never stops talking. And I mean, never, there's never a moment of quiet and so like achieving this and it lasted a handful of minutes maybe it was the first time I could acknowledge that like yeah we don't we don't get the rest or the break really ever because of the way her anxiety fuels this if I'm not talking I'm not alive kind of belief and in the early years the screaming the talking and my perfectionism were the biggest like whoa what have we got here kind of moments Talk to me about the perfectionism because I can so relate to that. Um, and especially having worked with children, I'm a teacher too, spending uh-huh. so much time with children, working in daycares, babysitting, literally all of these ways that I spent time with children and then having my own and being like, this is, this is not comparable. And I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Tell me about, and I'm also very highly sensitive as well. And noise. Oh my gosh, noise. In fact, my dog is barking right now. Um, but tell me about that, how that impacted you as a mother and, and, and that struggle early on with that. Yeah. Well, my own perfectionism impacted, unfortunately, I think my daughter even more than me because I was carrying the weight of this invisible pressure and I wasn't necessarily aware of it at the time. And it affected our whole home. It was just like, there is a way we should be, and we are not that way. And, you know, if if it had been conscious, I never would have said I believed that, right? I believed in freedom and everyone's room to be creative and resourceful, and um, and I meant it. But perfectionism is so much fear that, that shoots up, and it steals that. And so I was really living in survival mode. I was living in a lot of fear. I was living in this... Um, this belief I wasn't choosing, this autopilot that was like, you know, you and your kiddo should be like holding hands and skipping at the park and cuddling up 
and um, gazing into each other's eyes. And I'd had those experiences as a teacher and as a play therapist. And um, so I had this image in my mind of what love looked like, and I was striving for it. But then the biggest problem was that the way that we were slowly building our family, um, which was so precious and such its own unique path, I missed a lot of the beauty in that because I had a different image in my mind. And both my wife and my daughter felt from me the pressure of never getting it right, even though they were just being themselves. And that's my the one of the hardest things to swallow now and why I work really hard to um, reset almost daily. Like, how can I put some of that stuff down and, and learn to really love and accept people for who they are, how they are, um, and then also hold my own wellness and self-care and right boundaries so that I can have the space I need um, to have a settled nervous system and do okay. But, you know, it made me feel like I was failing all the time. It made me feel like I was never going to be not only a good enough mom that I was just like, um, you know, that, that our, it made me, it made me lose hope that our family could um, come together in a loving way. Like I couldn't picture a bright future for us. So pretty devastating is the answer. Like what that perfectionism did. It wasn't just, I'm up at night thinking about what I could have done better. It was truly devastating. I think it's such a toxic um, trait um and such a familiar one that it can be hard to spot wow so many good um quotes in there uh and really really relatable for me personally Uh um and i wrote down and i'm stuck on the image of love and where do you think that comes from where do you think that sort of the image that you have or had Mm -hmm. which is probably pretty similar to the one i had yeah. Where does that come from? Is that a societal thing? Is that uh, a natural thing? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that image of love is tied into images of um, what I would name as dominant culture and um, that, you know, like everybody, I grew up reading books and watching shows about straight white couples and their boy and girl and the way they all behaved and the way they celebrated holidays. So from the moment I was, um, you know, I was a kid in a family that had a lot of challenges and my family didn't match that image. So I already was feeling like there's this thing out there and if I'm good, I'll get it, you know? And it's, it's all the isms, it's all the systems of oppression in my opinion, holding together this false narrative that not only is it harmful, it's actually based on things I don't believe in, not then or now, um, about how people should be. So I think about, God, imagine if I had grown up with what we try to give our daughter now, images of, um, you know, family that includes all skin tones and many hands helping and all body sizes working together and children coming into the family in all the different ways and that love looked like everybody getting to be themselves and getting what they need, including this is too much for me, I'm out, mama's going to the beach for a week and there are many hands to care for and love my baby and we're not gonna skip a beat here. 
you know, there, that was nowhere. There was just, there was nothing like that. And so um, I think it's deeply societal in, in um, unfortunately tied up in ways that um, uh, blame a lot of the individuals, like it's up to parents to make things work, even though those same societies aren't holding um, the systems that would really help families like mine and all families. So it, it points to mom as the problem in a lot of ways. So there's just things that I see where these messages come from that are, um, so painful when, you know, we're not, we're not supported as families to have the childcare, the healthcare, um, all the things, but we should look like that cover of that book from 1950. Oh my gosh. Nope. Uh, Nope. Nope is right. I really just want to say thank you for doing this and putting mothers together out there for everyone. It's been such a huge blessing for me um, to just have this community and to know that there are other women out there that are going through this exact same thing that I'm going through. And like the stuff that we talk about is just, I'm like, yes, like, I don't know anyone else I could talk to about poop, but like, I'm going to talk to you guys about poop. It's just, it's really refreshing to be able to say everything and anything and never feel judged by anyone. I just always just feel constantly supported. So like, this is gold to me. And I just want to say thank you for putting this together and for starting something like this. It's just, it's been crazy incredible um, and has seriously been better than like the six months of therapy I did last year. I just want to thank you because I did not really expect to connect so well with the women in my group and so quickly. And I just feel like I haven't really had a group of friends in a very long time, much less a group of friends that understands a lot of the day-to-day struggles that we have. And I know that's the reason you created this, um, or created Mothers Together is because it's hard to find that connection. And I thought I'd give it a try. And I'm really, really, really grateful that I did because we've all really connected really very well. And I'm very grateful for it. What it means to me, um, everything. Um, Before Mothers Together, I was um, alone. I felt alone on an island um, where I I didn't know who to talk to or where to get answers to questions or even just have a chat. A chat with somebody who understood what it was like to have a neurodiverse kiddo Um, and, and what all that means. And now I have that. I found it. It's a community. It's Mothers Together. It's me reaching out anytime I have a question, a thought, um, a quote, a need, um, I need to vent, um, I need help. That it, it's just, it wraps up into, it means everything to me to have that connection and that support system, um, at my fingertips. And I'm so glad that I found mothers together. These wonderful moms you just heard from are just a few of the members of Mothers Together, my support group style community for moms raising neurodivergent kids. So you all know how passionate I am about Mothers Together. I remember how very lonely and isolating it was to raise my child, not knowing if anyone else out there was going through a similar experience. What I would have done to send a quick text to a friend who could simply say, I totally relate. You're doing the best you can. You're an amazing mother. So when I launched this community in August of 2021, I set out to provide each and every mom with the exact level of lasting friendships, deep connections, and judgment-free support that she needed. 
With over 100 members now, the feelings are mutual. What we've gained can only be measured in true validation and close relationships. So what do you get when you join Mothers Together? There are three pieces to the community. Number one, the forum, off of social media with its own app, lets you search by category. Everything from location to age of child to diagnosis to types of schooling and many more to connect right away with moms who might be going through a similar struggle as you. Number two, your support group called the pod squad. That's your home base matched personally by me with other moms and mothers together. You have weekly meetings and check on each other on a regular basis, sometimes every day. When I jump on Marco Polo, the video messaging app, I hear messages between moms such as, how was that doctor's appointment? We're thinking of you. Let us know how the play date went. I'm having a really tough morning. School drop-off was a nightmare. I need to vent. Not only do you have your pod squad, but you also have access to the entirety of Mothers Together members, ensuring you can grow your web of support as large as you personally need to. And number three, our monthly guest expert live Q&A, so we can get some professional advice right there on the spot. We've had such amazing guests as Laura Pedix, otherwise known as the OT Butterfly on Instagram, a pediatric neuropsychologist, a therapist, an IEP coach, a life coach, an EFT practitioner, and many more. If you are struggling with the day-to-day grind of motherhood, wondering who in the world understands the challenges of raising a neurodivergent child, Mothers Together is your ticket out of being stuck in your head. Your people are here right now waiting for you. So don't wait. Sign up and join us at ontheharddays.com forward slash mothers together. New pod squads start soon. Wow. I mean, I fully agree 100% with everything that you were saying. Um, And the cycle continues. I mean, despite those 1950s books, I mean, as a teacher, I still see it in my classroom with what um, my students are looking at and what they see and what they hear. And there is still such um, um, a societal sort of push towards this is still what women do. This is still what men do still. Yes, Mm -hmm. women have jobs. I mean, we're not that far back. But women have jobs and they're excellent multitaskers. So they're able to care for the kids and X, Y, Z, whatever. And the narrative goes on and on and on. And it's people like you and conversations like this that slowly start to chip away, chip, chip, chip away at that in an amazing way when other people hear it, um, including your own child. And so what an amazing model that you and your wife have set for her um, to be who she is. And, you know, and, and whatever way her family looks like when she's older, um, just really powerful stuff, but to go from everything that you just talked about to where you are now, there is, there has clearly been a shift, (laughs) a big one, a big big one. one. Mm -hmm. And so start to walk us through that process because there are so many moms that I know, and I talk to on a regular basis who are where you were. Oh yeah. And feeling that way, just absolutely crawling out of their skin and and, um, drowning Yeah, and feeling trapped. Essentially it's that trapped feeling suffocating. How did you go from that to this? What is, what's that process look like for you? I love a chance to reflect on that. It's what I try to take my coaching clients through. I think of it as like moving from flooded to being fired up again about my life and and be feeling more empowered as a parent and empowered in my own life. Um, And so there were a few key things that happened. Um, One, I had to sort of admit and acknowledge 
the perfectionism hustle I was in. I had to admit and acknowledge that my stress levels were through the roof and it was going to compromise my health and already was starting to. The pressure was on in my marriage. Um, We just were like, where's the joy? (laughs) And so I had to sort of pause and acknowledge the level of challenge we were facing and just ask myself the hard question, like, what am I going to do about this? Um, And so there was like a track I took with myself. And then, of course, a track we took with our daughter about how are her needs getting met. And so um, what I can share, which was a very difficult thing, but um, I think it's hard for parents to talk about. So I'm going to be willing to just say that we made the very difficult decision um, that between my daughter's attachment issues and neurodivergence, we had to come to terms with needing a higher level care for a while. And so we had tried involving extended family, we had tried special schools, we had tried wraparound services after school, we had tried homeschooling, we had tried um, therapeutic classrooms. So I mean, the list was like a mile long, we tried alternative therapies for ourselves and for her. And so it took a really, I want to say we made the decision a year later than I wish we had. Um, because it was so difficult to imagine that because of how our society is set up, we don't have the many hands that can help give this child what she needs. We need to engage an institution that we well researched and used an educational consultant to find and visited and ultimately moved to be near during COVID and be able to keep our visitation close. And um, But we did engage um, a therapeutic school that supports kids with reactive attachment disorder. Um, And so that gave her therapeutic support around the clock on the piece that was keeping her from accepting our care. So there's still neurodivergence, but she wasn't able to let us care for her. And so that was its own factor that there was nothing that could help if she didn't learn to trust our love um, and care. And so we got her that support, even though it was, I can't tell you the level of grief, Mm. Um, but we did it because she deserved every shot at being able to have a bright future and be able to ultimately have our attachment deepen and be together. And so with that two year break, um of visitation and family therapy and being close and learning more we also were able to focus on ourselves differently and our marriage and so i was able to um really work with that perfectionism that was flaring up really focus with on my health and really learn that this model of my wife and i trying to be everything when the need was this high was never going to work so what we learned along there's many things but one thing we learned in this process is no matter no matter what we need more love we need more people we need more skills and we can advocate for the highest levels of safety and security and um, professionalism and making sure it's the right folks who actually get it around our table. But we've come up with something we do now that I call shift parenting. So now she's back at home with us and using all those amazing skills she learned. And we've had our own journeys on our own um, to sort of 
recalibrate how we look at sustainable life together. And so um, shift parenting is a way that we've come up with, like, how can we decolonize that part of our minds that think we have to be everything um, and actually instead find a way that we as parents can look forward to rest and time off and respite no matter what. So right now in our family, what that looks like is my wife does the morning shift with our daughter Monday through Friday. She wakes her up. She helps get ready for school. Um, she does that process while I have my morning practice and ritual either in the house or out of the house. I get my reset quiet time. And then we have um, hired someone wonderful to pick up our daughter from school and be with her in the after school hours. And I want to say that we're queer artists that um, are hopefully one day super abundant and affluent in how we um, call in all the resources we need. But I want to say um, that it's actually not true yet that we are sort of sitting in flow with money and can afford a whole team. We've chosen to scrape together the money that we do have and prioritize this key person so that we can have the rest and space we need. So we're like, maybe not on that vacation, but we're having everyday care for our kiddo where she's getting the one-on-one -on -one play therapy support and she's getting um, that time after school um, so that my wife can work her full day and that I'm on in the evenings and do the shower routine and the bedtime routine and I prep breakfast for the next morning to help my wife. So I'm just giving like a little daily example of Every day my wife can look forward to downtime after work where she's not on, she's not answering questions, she's not part of the decision making, she can go out, she can stay in, um, but I know I get every morning for me. And we've done shift pairing in lots of different ways and that's a current model we're working with. So that we're prioritizing rest, we're prioritizing the high level supports for our kiddo that she needs. And then I think the last thing I'll say is just making room for creativity and joy and pleasure that we really um, both together as a family and on my own. This is the main thing I coach people on is like, how do we make time in our routines for fun and joy at all costs, even if it means my kiddo is with a babysitter and like watching a screen so that I can paint on the patio for an hour, like whatever it takes. I hold that as the number one thing um, to bring flow and space and joy back into my body and get to that place where, okay, I'm feeling okay. I can show up for these um, parenting moments that can be challenging or heavy lifting and I have capacity. I can be present and mostly calm and have like a wide capacity and resourcefulness instead of operating from that place of just um, panic a lot of the time. Wow. Okay. You're awesome. <laughs> um, you're awesome. I, there's so much, wow, just really cool stuff. Shift parenting. At first, when you said the term, I, I wondered if it was like shifting the way you parent, but you, you meant like literally in shifts. We parent in shifts. <laughs> parent in shifts. And that's genius. Yep. Genius. But okay. So right away, I have to ask this question because I already know what listeners are thinking. Please. Yep. What if my partner is not on board 
what if my partner doesn't see it the way that I see it? If, if they're not drowning at the same level that I am, and therefore this doesn't, it wouldn't be helpful to them, but I need, I need shift parenting. What would you say? Yeah, I would say, first of all, I get it. The first few years of our family, even though my partner is on board and in alignment with me, my perfectionism had me take over in such a way that I was like, you work full time, I got this. And I, in essence, pushed her out and centered myself as primary parent. And um, what we have had to do and what I learned to do is that, um, you know, my, my, child does worse when I am burnt out and in caregiver burnout and I have nothing to give. Took me a long time to admit that longer than I wish. I really wanted to be her everything. Okay. So, you know, that's, that's a real like mental limiting belief I had to push past, but then, um, I had to get comfortable. Like in the early years, some things we did was, um, and, and my wife wasn't getting a lot of time with our daughter. So sure. When they were together, it was like, mayhem it was like me listening from the other room wanting to text notes like i get it um yes, so yes, yes we put together a spreadsheet and everyone in in my community who i trusted and felt like they that i got they got it enough to show up for me i put wednesdays in a spreadsheet and had loved ones sign up to come to my house and take me away on wednesday nights and it started with just that one night a week where um my daughter and my wife got to learn how to be together without me and i got to understand the oxygenation that happened when i left the house and sometimes i would just go on a walk with a friend it didn't have to be a big deal sometimes we'd go out and have dinner but it was the practice of i leave wednesday and because i literally didn't have the um like I wasn't assertive enough at that time to make it happen for myself. The spreadsheet idea was like a call for help and um, a coach helped me set it up. And then friends were eager and pleased to come scoop me up and they planned where to go. They, they just knew they had a certain Wednesday, they would come and get me. And then maybe we would talk about parenting stuff or maybe not, maybe they would just make me laugh. Maybe they were a parent themselves or maybe not. So what that did though for me is that I was leaning into seeing people outside of my family, leaving the house regularly and remembering what it felt like to be me before I was a mom. Oh my gosh, that's wow. And what amazing friends you have yeah. to, be, to sign up for that. The community piece is huge and not just um, like having, well, you, your work is centered in community. So I know you get it. It's like, um, yeah, of course people want to show up. When I get spreadsheets like that, I sign up for other families because when we are vulnerable enough to admit hey, they don't need to know all the details of I'm drowning. If you don't want to share it, that's fine. It can be as simple as if you love me, come get me on Wednesday. <laughs> Let's go. Like, yeah. you don't need to know why. Get me out of the house. Come on now. And so there are people that are going to want to do that for us. Usually the block is I couldn't possibly ask for help in that way. So that's the I, I want to name like the humility, like uh, just get humble it makes the way for somebody to call you and say, hey, I could actually use a Tuesday night out. It makes a way for people to go, oh, you're not perfect and precious in your house. We all get to be human. Okay, great. But I do want to say that the part, that was one example. We did several things like this, that creativity piece, right? That out of the box thinking. 
that my wife and my daughter got in a groove. They got their time. My wife learned how to do more heavy lifting and understood more what it was to be in the thick of it. And again, the only reason she didn't understand is because I wouldn't let her. So this was me getting out of the way. She was more than capable of showing up. Did she do things exactly like I did? Nope. But was it close enough in our family values? Yep. Fine. Was there some backlash for a long time when I would come back and reconnect with my kid? Sure. But it was still worth it. And slowly we built more and more time um, to where this is really radical, but I'm just going to say it like recently we did a thing where I booked an Airbnb not that far away from my house and I went and stayed there during the week. And um, again, with a helper professional with my wife in the afternoons and even helped with some housework. And I came back on the weekends and was full parent on on the weekends while my wife took the whole weekend off and could go away. Um, So I just named that to say like, my daughter does really well when there's one adult to listen to. And that's why we started parenting in shifts. And we did the work to bridge to one another as adults how to get on the same page. And it was mostly about me giving up control. Wow. 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 Oh my gosh. Like, man, I needed you like five years ago. <laughs> I needed me you? five years ago too. <laughs> oh my yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I think there's so much deep work that has to be done to get to the things that you're saying. Yeah. But it's necessary. I know that the perfectionism stuff, as I mentioned, was totally me. Um, I still, to this day, struggle um, to to leave the house or, I mean, yeah. go on a trip. Oh my gosh, the anxiety that I would have just to go away, yeah. away. And I don't know why. My husband is obviously perfectly capable, but it doesn't look like mine. But what if he forgets this? What if he forgets that? Um yeah. And that's all me. That is me. But by, I have stripped away the time that he needs with his children to yeah. figure them out like I have. And that's the thing. I also think, again, roles here in society, but mm-hmm. a lot of moms I talk to, and I have to say for me as well, I do the research. I do the research. I'm reading the articles. What is this? What is that? Mm-hmm. And And my husband doesn't. He says, I trust your judgment or whatever. And for me, that makes me feel this empowered feeling, but at the same time, empowerment with my, with my hands tied, because now I can't leave. I'm the one who understands my kid and his struggles. And so I don't know, it's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. Learning that it's okay for me to, to go physically and emotionally. (laughs) Like I need to leave. That's tough. Yeah. I know. It's like, it's I'm hearing in what you're sharing that like question of how to break down the labor to actually have it be shared. And there are so many articles about like women in this spot of being holding the mental load. Um, and so it's a place I want to, you know, lift up the queer community and lift up in particular black feminism as like, there are lots of ways to do this stuff. Um, and so I think, I think what I would offer, knowing that many, many, many people feel the way you do um, and that you're not alone in that dynamic. And like I said, I created it even inside a queer dynamic. That's how pervasive the messaging is about how things should be done. Um, 
you know, we really can ask for what we need, um, assuming that our partners love us and love our kids and are ultimately willing to show up. We can say things specifically like, I know I'm the one who usually researches such and such because um, I like to and it helps me feel like I, I know what's going on. But then I have it all in my head and I'm not getting to relax and enjoy and even have time with my friends like I would want to. Would you be willing to do some of the reading on these new traits we're seeing? And maybe we can have a cup of coffee in a week and you can let me know what you learned because I do want to be filled in. I just can't hold it all, right? Like there's examples of ways to practice letting go of the things that we often hold tightly. And I have done this practice for many years, but still have mornings where if I catch my brain spinning about how something should happen, um, I, I, I have like um, affirmations, I say, like, I'll just like try to interrupt it and be like, um, let go, refocus on you. Because what I know happens when I'm eyeing about the thing, has she done the such and such in this order in the way? I have compassion to know that that reaction comes from wanting to avoid many hours of screaming, right? It comes from very real, challenging, very challenging moments that I've survived. And I know that I don't want to live in hypervigilance anymore. And I know that I want to like rest and enjoy my life. And I trust that if my wife goes through the trial and error, she'll realize what happens when she forgets to do the thing and doesn't remember it till an hour later. And it'll go much better when she realizes it than me reminding anyway. But usually I have to leave the house to not care as much. I have to go on a walk. I have to physically take space um, and be willing to ask directly for what I need in my partnership and find a, find ways to let go. I don't know. How does that land with you knowing your, the readers really re resonate as well? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's, it definitely does. Um, one specific part that you mentioned is, is what hit home and it's the trauma that we have gone through, like with the screaming, for example. Yes. There's like PTSD involved here. Yep. Some of these moms and, and, and I, I feel this too from when my son was much younger, but the screaming, the violence, the rage, the, I don't want to go home because I can't, I'm not ready to deal the nervous system, the, all of it. And when you come out of that, or you have a quiet moment or whatever, even if you're not out of that, now you have to just give it all up because how can you, it's too, I don't know. I can't relax. I can't relax. Yeah. So to leave the house, even I would agree, I would have to leave the house, but even still I am like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. Um, the, how do I know if everything's okay? Because what if there's been violence again? And what if, um, you know, whatever it is, it goes on and on and on. You can't calm yourself and you can't shut your brain down because you are in a state of fight or flight mm -hmm. constantly because of what you have seen and heard from your child for possibly years and years. Yeah. So it's such that really does resonate. And especially to say, Hey, you're not just um, born a perfectionist who can't let go. Like it's not your fault here. No. This is about things that have happened to you as well, whether yeah. as a child or mm -hmm. as a parent um, that have caused you to believe that you must save everybody because mm -hmm. Otherwise the house is going to explode and, and 
your children will not thrive and your marriage will not thrive and whatever. Like you have to, you have to be the hero because otherwise there is no hero. And of course that's not true, but it feels that way. But it feels that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's really well said. Yeah. I'm really glad you named it so specifically because just like tremendous compassion and empathy is needed. It's like, what our bodies have gone through to survive this, um, this journey. Um, and that it is real time trauma. Um, I identify as someone with complex PTSD from my childhood. And just this last week, my therapist said, mm-hmm. and the things that I'm hearing that are happening in your home now are real time trauma. You are not re-experiencing the past. So we're going to help you hold it that way, which is just to say, I really get it. I have spent like the time in the driveway crying because I was so afraid to walk in the house and the the visible, like shaking, walking around the block, like trying to move out of fight mode. And um, for us having that two year break with higher level care was crucial to really reset um, I know that's not the path for everybody, nor is it what's needed or or what should happen. So, but I just want to acknowledge part of part of it is that um, we had to have the big time out. And even um, since being reunited as a family and sharing a home again, I very much relate to. Okay, we're on hour two of screaming. My wife is in the living room being present and making sure there's safety to help my young self inside feel okay. I'm locked in the room and I'm doing like vigorous trauma work to help move it out of my body. It's like the difference between it sticking and freezing is that movement. So while my wife is on shift, it's her shift to be present with the aggression. So I take a little bit of space and I'm shaking, shaking it out. I'm writing, I'm doing tapping. I'm doing, um, in some cases, full like DBT therapy style. If folks know that dialectical behavioral therapy, I'm like running in place as fast as I can. I'm, and I'm consciously making the choice. I am moving this out of my body. I am moving this out. And then when my wife is ready for a break she taps in and i come out and i'm on shift and my nervous system is a little better and i can be present um but but we do this cycle even um you know once we get our daughter to school for example in the morning has been very very difficult i won't go on to a next thing without tending to my brain and body in that way because it's very real what you're describing we can't think our way out of this we certainly can't positive think our way out of this there's like real um nervous system healing and the movement of trauma that's required and a practice that's helped me in addition is loving kindness meditation that like really a conscious effort to love my daughter exactly as she is, to love myself, to love my wife, sort of bring grace into, this is a very difficult situation. We're all doing our best. And um, to make room for, honestly, like however people would call it, uh, 
higher power, spiritual allies, um, creator, like making space for there to be a spiritual, like bigger holding of our family than just me has been key. Like I'm not the hero in this story, but I can do my own work the best I can and love everyone the best I can and make room for our community and for um, a spiritual pathway. Like hold us, this is too hard. Oh man, you are like hitting me in the gut um, with all of the things that I apparently needed to hear. Moms like myself and so many that I work with in my community, they are not allowing themselves to heal. Yeah. They don't think that they're stopping themselves. They think their lives are not allowing them to heal and, and the busyness and the craziness, Yep. which may be partially true, but but even when there is that like five, 10 minutes pocket of space or time, mm-hmm. it's like, no, I, I couldn't possibly, I can't focus on myself right now. What's no, I'm still like this. And so I, I need to go at least prepare the, the, the dinner for later or, um, you know, there's no time. And I actually truly thought and believed until very recently that being an adult and being a mother, being a woman meant being strong all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And doing all the things mm-hmm. and never allowing for time for yourself because that's for child that's for childhood that's for kids you yeah. have to and especially when you're raising a, a child who might have some challenging behaviors or whatever mm-hmm. <clears throat> even more so I couldn't possibly give time to myself when the needs are this big no mm-hmm. and so you're really hitting on something that I think a lot of moms um, can resonate with and I certainly can. It's really mm-hmm. powerful. Thank you so much. Gosh. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's actually why for me, I, I'm choosing to center my coaching program in this self-care loop and learning to believe we deserve it rather than um, having the main focus be how to show up with our kids even better. Because what I find is when we're in this loop in this overdrive that you're describing where we can't even imagine it, that means our bodies can't imagine it either. Our bodies can't imagine relaxing anymore. And that leads to illness, right? It's like, oh, if we can't choose the five minutes for ourselves, stop everything and let's put the energy there. There are good reasons why we can't choose it. It's not because we're bad. And it means we've forgotten what it means to feel safe and sound in our bodies, to feel like I have a creative impulse. I can follow it. We've forgotten what it means to have space to even remember what we like. (laughs) What are our preferences again? And so when we don't have those things, um, I believe our kids aren't um, benefiting the way they could be from our care because we're operating from a place of often caregiver burnout and they're not seeing us as people either. And we're people, we're human beings caring for our children. So we need more help, we need more space, we need more rest, and it will take intentional work um, to choose it because um, trauma thinking zooms in and takes over and gets us on a particular track where we can't imagine or picture what it would feel like to slow down and then the slowing down starts to feel like a threat in and of itself. So that choice, that step to go, I have 10 minutes, I'm going to let the dishes sit, I'm going to let the dinner sit, and I'm going to do 10 minutes for me 
whether I'm scribbling on paper or deep breathing or calling a friend to make jokes, whatever the thing is, if we're not able to choose it, then um, we might need some help to start up some new patterns where we just get to feel better 10 minutes at a time and know that in the long run, that's, that is better for our kids. They want parents who are feeling okay, especially when feeling okay is something that they're really struggling to access. Um, they need the co-regulation from us. They need our okay brains and bodies as much as we're able to put that together for ourselves and for them. But it's not easy and we do deserve help with it. Mm. This is the therapy session I did not know I needed yeah. this morning. <laughs> Uh, thanks. Uh huh. This may be one of those conversations I have to play back multiple times. Um, <laughs> you're hitting on every one of my pain points. Like you get me. Um, well, yeah, they're, they're universal. Those of us yeah. that are in the trenches in this way, yes. But there's, it's all relatable because these are the things that come mm-hmm. up. So you're not alone. No, no. And thank you. And and I know that it is connecting with my listeners as well. So tell me about you, where they can find you and reach out if you're comfortable with that and, yeah. um, and on all of your things. Sure. Yes. Right now, the best place is um, to find me on Instagram. I'm Allison Kenny um, underscore coach. And that's where I'm posting about the programs I'm offering, um, ways to keep up and stay connected with me. I'm also on Facebook at Allison Kenny. I'm going to be starting my first group on Facebook soon. I'm getting that together. This opportunity was well-timed because I'm just about to launch um, a, a bunch of new things and new phases with my work. But finding me on social is the way. And I'll love to um, stay in touch and just be present. I'm really, really grateful for the community that you've created. I want to say that I've looked for spaces to be in with people who got it for many, many, many years to the point of I'm a, I'm about to create my own <laughs> because there's so few. And I just literally last week found you. And so this feels like a gift to connect with you here and to share about my path. And also to know that you have gathered um, parents who get it in this way. So I want to thank you for that and um, hope to to follow and do even more for adoptive parents who are facing a lot of these same things and be a resource to my community there. Um, but all parents of neurodivergent kids, um, I'm here and, and would love to hear from you if that feels right. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I, I was like, you just found me last week. I feel like I've known you for years. Um, <laughs> that's an amazing uh-huh. thing. So uh-huh. I can't wait to follow your journey and, um, would love to help and support you in any way uh, that I can, because, um, I'm with you. We are aligned. What you're doing is very, very important. And we, you said it before, not about how to show up for your kids or any of that. Remove that out of the picture. We have got to show up for ourselves first and nothing else can happen um, until that work is done. And we need people to help us get through that work um, because we just simply don't know how. So Allison, you are a rock star. This was an awesome conversation. I absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website on theharddays.com and click on schedule a call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. 
That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at on the hard days with dots in between each word or in my free Facebook community, On the Hard Days Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.